All right, good morning everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, it is the last Sunday of July and we are going to have an awesome time. Who thinks that it's awesome to not be 115 degrees today? Somebody give the Lord some praise. Yes. Wow, man, God is good. Never thought we'd see this in July, but the Lord's blessed us today. And so we are going to have a great time worshiping and reading his word together and growing in our faith. Let's stand up today. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Who believes that America's coming to Jesus today? Yeah, we are seeing the effects of our words of faith pay off and we're going to keep at this thing. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus some praise today. Yes, amen. All right, well, we're going to do what we always do, have a little meet and greet time. So go around, give somebody a hug, a handshake, a fist bump. Just make sure that everybody gets a little love today. Amen. Let's go. Was shaking, the blood you shed was mercy saved a dying world. Separated, you found us running, broken hearted. Now we are your sons and daughters, forever yours. Living up. I'm never 
giving up. It's your love that brings the dead to life. Now I've got your love as I'm waking up. Now I'm living resurrection life. And now you've got me living up. I'm never giving up. It's your love that brings the dead to life. Now I've got your love and I'm waking up. Now I'm living resurrection life, and we sing, oh, 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 you know, because there's just a lot of Sundays, a lot of times. So they're doing movie day. All the classes are together. So you're going to pick them up in Victory Hall, just like you dropped them off in Victory Hall, unless you have nursery babies and you'll pick them up upstairs. Tomorrow is the pool party. Okay. Yes. Tomorrow is the pool party. And I'm so sorry. It is too late to register. So we filled up. I 
I, I don't have any more slots. But I love you, and we'll do another party in the fall, okay? So don't worry. And uh, Lift Family Game Night is coming towards the end of August, so be looking for that. Men's meeting is this Saturday. Oh, you guys are so lame. Okay, listen. We sent you on a fishing trip. We know you caught nothing. Well, Tim caught one, and that was the blessing of the Lord. Thank you for your ministry to the men, Tim. Okay, so no whining, okay, and no lying about fish sizes. Just come to men's meeting Saturday at 9, okay? Saturday, this Saturday, 9 a.m. Next Sunday, right after the men's meeting, is promotion Sunday. What that means is all of our children's church youngins and some of the nursery kids and lots of the youth students are moving on up. So if they are moving up a class, like from nursery into children's church or from jam junior into jam or from jam into youth or from youth to the world, uh, they'll be up here next Sunday and we will congratulate them on their growth. Yay. So don't miss it next Sunday and Harvest Fest is coming. Okay. I am very... I am very aware that we're split down the middle. We have those who have done Harvest Fest for a long time and are like, yay. And then we have those that are like, yeah, Harvest Fest. And so listen, if you're like, woo, you need to get, yay, okay? I adjusted my position this year to yay by letting others do their part, okay? So you have a part to play, whether or not that's, you know, serving on the planning team or serving the night of or giving. And I can tell you that our church family is very excited because you all keep giving to it even though it's not on an envelope. People keep giving to Harvest Fest. So if you would like to give to Harvest Fest on an envelope, you may write Harvest Fest at the top. This is not offering time. This is just a freebie. So if you want to give to Harvest Fest, write it at the top. If you want to give to SMTI, which we'll talk about later, to scholarships, you can write SMTI at the top, okay? And we'll we'll give it to where the Lord has told you to give it to. So thank you for your faithfulness all year in giving to Harvest Fest. But now it's time to plan it, okay? So there is all kinds of super fun things coming this year, and they're not from me. They're a bunch of ideas, and there's a team already going. So if you would like to be a part of that, please make sure to sign up at the info booth. They're talking like family relay races this year and all kinds of crazy, fun, awesomeness. And they're going to do a full concert this year. So it's going to be great. Make sure to sign up at the info booth. If you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, wave at me. Welcome to church. (laughs) We're so glad that you're with us. Miss Melissa has uh, information for you about the church. And if you turn that card in at the info booth, we have a gift for you. We're so glad that you're with us. We love you. Very good. Very good, man. And so, I mean, I just, I got to be honest with you. I was in Dollar Tree the other day. And uh, let's get real. I saw the fall time decor out. And you know how, uh, I, I just got to say this, I just my spirit leapt within me and I said, thank you, Jesus. Bring out the pumpkin spice lattes ASAP. Let's go. Let's go, somebody. All right. Fall time. Anyway, that had nothing to do with anything else, but I just wanted to share that personal information. All right. Who knows what time it is now? 
Yes, it's happy time, and my mother, Mrs. Pastor, is going to come on up this morning and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls are probably not even in here. Okay. So this is going to be a little bit more than happy time, so take a deep breath, go. Get settled in a minute. This is going to take me a minute, but I have something that I have to share with you, something that I have to teach you that is extremely important that I don't think we've hit on in a while. But in the times, the financial times in which we live in, it's important that I share this this little message with you, okay? If you have a need, you need to learn how to sow a seed to get that need met. Now, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. That's why I'm going to explain this all to you. So this is going to be a life changer for you in your financial life if you pay attention this morning to what I'm going to say. You were all given an offering envelope when you came in this morning. If you were not given an offering envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will put one in your hand. If you need an offering, if you did not get an offering envelope. Now, I want you to write seed across the top of it. I don't know, you probably can't see that way back there. But I want you to write at the top of your envelope, I want you to write the word seed. What I'm holding here is a real seed packet. Tim knows about seed packets because he plants beautiful gardens that he's going to teach me how to do one of these days. (laughs) Seed. So think of this now as your seed packet, okay? I want to tell you a story about sowing a seed. Do you like story time? Story times are good times. And this is the story out of all of our experience with sowing a seed that I love to share. This is my favorite story. As you know, Pastor and I have 110 children. Just kidding. <laughs> but Jason is my oldest. You, you'll know him when he comes. He's, he's the tall, thin one, married to uh, Lou, who's from the Philippines, like Dahlia's from the Philippines, and they have a little boy. When Jason was uh, 11 or 12 years old, some of you have 11 and 12-year-old children in your home. He's 48 years old now. We live on a farm in Noblesville, Indiana. We just rented the house. But it sat on 80 acres of land. One day, Jason came up to me and he said, Mom, I want a calf. Now, mind you, we were poorer than I don't know what else. And I said, Jason, I don't have money to buy you a calf. At that time, they were $60. A calf now, last time I talked to Jason, had been about five years ago, was three or $400 for a day-old day calf. Back then, it was $60. And I said, Jason, you're going to have to sow a seed. And he knew what that meant. So he took whatever money that he had, and he took it to the church. This was before we were pastors. And he put it in an envelope, and he wrote on it, This is my seed for a calf. You got the picture. 
one day, you know, when you sow a seed, you leave it up to God how he's going to answer this, okay? One day, to our beautiful, this house was built in the 1800s, late 1800s, 1890s, six bedrooms, a beautiful house, a booger to heat, but we lived there. One day, Mr. Schuster, this real tall farmer in bib overalls, chewing tobacco, knocked on my back door. And I answered the door, and I, and I talked to him, and he said, I want to rent that 80 acres pasture out there. Who do I talk to? So I gave him the name of our landlady. The landlady, in turn, told Mr. Schuster, two boys live there that will be more than happy to feed your cattle on those 80 acres. So Mr. Schuster asked Jason, my oldest, and Ben, the big one that you saw here a couple weeks ago, to take care of his cattle, to feed them and to water them, his cattle. I don't know how many cattle he had. So Mr. Schuster paid them with, you know what? A calf. Their pay was a calf. Did Mr. Schuster know anything at all about Jason's seed that he had sown for a calf? No. Their pay was a calf. So 4-H time came around. Those of you who don't know anything about 4-H times, wonderful time in the Midwest. So he, they, 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 so their, their calf was kind of a little fella, and they named him Samson. Or Jason named him Samson. He was a little fella. Do you remember him or were you too little? So Samson, and so Jason entered him in the 4-H fair, and you know, he wasn't worth much, but uh, when you go to the fair, all those, all those uh, beef-type cattle are sold for auction. In other words, they go to McDonald's. You understand what I'm saying? So little Samson was auctioned off, and Jason and Ben, you're laughing at me, Tim, Jason and Ben walked him up the back of this semi to get onto this truck of the company that bought him for beef. And we all sat around and cried. I cried. Pastor cried. Jason cried. Ben cried. The kids that were old enough. Do you remember that, Jason, Josh? Oh, you were too little. Okay. Anyway, so from the sale of their calf, that one calf, they split the profits. Jason got half. Ben got half. Jason went out and bought his own day-old Hereford not Hereford, Holstein dairy steer, the one day old dairy steers. Okay, why do dairy farmers sell dairy steers? They don't give milk, they're boys. Yeah. So Jason bought a, a day old Holstein dairy steer, the black and white ones, the big ones. He fed it with a bottle, and Ben, ben brought, bought one as well. Fed it with this big old bottle because they're taken away from their mama. 4-H time came around again. I loved 4-H time. 4-H time came around again. Jason, Jason showed his dairy steer. He had one. He showed his dairy steer at the Hamilton County Fair in Noblesville, Indiana, amongst kids who had, whose dads were dairy farmers who had whole herds to choose from. And you would think that their steers would be better than Jason's steer, but no. Jason's steer won Grand 
champion dairy steer that year. Why? Because he sowed a seed. Okay, you get that? Now, some of you out here need some money. Or you need something. Okay? Um, some of you need uh, clothes for your, for your kids' schools. Some of you kids, some of you guys send your kids to private school. You need tuition. Like yesterday, you need a tuition. Some of you need, maybe you need car repairs. Maybe, you know, I don't know what you need. But I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9. Let's get some word going with this. 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9, I'm in the New King James, verses 6 through 9 says this. But this I say, he which sows sparingly, say sows, shall also reap sparingly, say reap. He who sows bountifully, say sows bountifully, will also reap bountifully, say reap bountifully. So let each one give. I'm not talking about tithes. I'm talking about an offering. Tithes is 10% belongs to the Lord, doesn't belong to you. I'm talking about an offering. Verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. You decide this is how much I want to give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, because you sowed the seed... Always having all sufficiency in all things. Have an abundance, say abundance, for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. In other words, he's given. He's scattered his seed. He has given to the poor. You can sow your seed to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Amen. So, like I said, some of you have a need, and in Jesus' name, I didn't lose my little seed, but I might have, which makes the second time today I've lost my little seed. Oh, here it is. Okay. This, can you see it? I don't know if you can see it way back there or not. See it with the eye of your faith. This is a corn seed. Say corn seed. Okay. One kernel of corn, one kernel of corn, one seed of corn planted in the ground produces on an average, let's see, one kernel produces on an average an ear of corn that has 800, an average of 800 kernels on an ear of corn. I'm not going to open this because, well, unless you want to open it. That's the pastor's lunch today, courtesy of uh, Barbara over there. Okay, look at this. Look at all those kernels. See those kernels? One ear has an average, some more, some less, of 800 kernels, but I just planted one. Now, how many of you know that corn grows on a stalk? You may not know that because you're not from the Midwest, but... Or Iowa or somewhere where they grow corn. Da-da. Thank you, ma'am. So, one stalk 
of corn can grow two to four ears on it. Not just one ear, but two to four ears on a stalk of corn. So, if you got 800 kernels times two, if you got two ears of corn, that's 1,600 kernels of corn. How many, what, how many seeds did you sow? One. If you take 800 kernels times four, you get four ears, you got 3,200 kernels of corn. How many seeds did you sow? One. See, you can't take lightly a seed or the amount of a seed. You understand what I'm saying? It depends on what you have. So today, I am going to challenge you to sow a seed above your tithe. You cannot get a harvest. You can't reap anything off your tithe. As I said, Leviticus 27.30 says the tithe is holy. It belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. 10% of your gross income belongs to him. You can't tithe 20% because 10% means tithe. Now you can tithe 10% and give another 10% and that's sowing seed. You know, it doesn't matter the amount of seed that you sow. I'll tell you another story. One time, Pastor and I, before we were pastors, one of our the people in our, our congregation was going to go to England on a missionary trip. We, they took up an offering for him. We had no money to put in that offering. Pastor had his best pen in his pocket. He, if you know him, he has best, a best pen. He picked out his best pen and he put it in the offering. That was his offering for this young man that went to England on a mission trip. And, you know, when he came back, you know, he didn't know we gave that pen. But when he came back, he was talking to us, and he said, you know, the best thing I got in that offering was this pen. He said, I used it all over England. But that was the seed that we have to, had to sow. You know, maybe you don't have any money this morning. Maybe uh, I've, I've heard of people putting stamps in their offering envelope. That was their seed, and they used them in the office. You understand what I'm saying? Now I'm going to ask you this question because the Holy Ghost wants me to ask you this question. I want you to be very honest with me this morning because the Holy Ghost said to do this. How many in here do not have any seed at all? You don't even have a penny. Raise your hand if you have no seed at all over here. Okay. Somebody give her some seed. Give her a dollar, give her, I don't care what it is you give her, somebody, give her some money. That's going to be your seed this morning, okay? And she's going to reap a harvest for whatever it is she's believing the Lord for. Here comes your seed. Comes down the road, here it comes. Here it comes, there you go. There you go. She has seed now. The Bible talks about how he gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater. Right? So see, the thing that's going to happen today is after you're done sowing your seed, the Lord's going to multiply it back to you and whatever you're believing for. Okay, now. I don't want you to do this yet. I want you to take that picture and put it over here like the computer. You know, you put the picture over here. Let that sit there for a minute. Okay? Now, open up your Bibles to 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. 
this is the new picture of the screen. We're doing something different now. Okay, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says this. Let the elders... If you go to SMTI, you'll learn that there's three kinds of elders. Today I'm talking about pastoral elders. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now I want you to look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, and I'm going to read 10 through 20. I'm in New King James again. Paul says, But I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. In other words, he knows how to not have much. And I know how to abound. In other words, he has a lot. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you, he's talking to a group of people, have shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginnings of the gospel, When I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He is receiving the seed that was sown by these people. The fruit that's going to abound to their account is the harvest from the seed that they sowed into Paul's work. Do you understand that? Okay. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And because they were givers of this seed-type sowing, he says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God and fa- now to our God and Father be glory forevermore. Amen. <clears throat> now, today is Pastor Dave and Katie's 18th wedding anniversary. I want you two to come up here. I'm going to teach you how to honor people today. Come on up here. I want you to stand and give them an offering like you really mean it. Stand up and give them an offering. A tithe, uh, 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 you know. I mean that. Yes. Pastor David Katie. Now, not only that, but her birthday was July the 21st. His birthday was July the 24th. So they got this thing all globbed up in one little deal. You see what I mean? It's all globbed up, so we have this big family birthday. Now, I want to talk a little bit about them.
Many of you have a job, hopefully, if you don't believe God for one or sow a seed for one as we're doing today. You work certain hours every day. Maybe you work five days a week, maybe more. Maybe you work from eight to five. Maybe your hours are a little bit different. But you go home from that job and you forget it. Not so if you're pastors. You work 24-7. You work 52 weeks a year, even if you're on vacation, correct? Because people can find you even in the middle of the woods. And you work 365 days a year. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you. I don't usually talk about stuff like this. Katie's going to get her first paycheck check beginning August 15th. She's worked at this church and labored for 15 years, free of charge, volunteer. But we've grown enough that we can add her to the payroll. So they both receive a salary now. But what the pastoral staff here does not receive is Christmas bonuses. We don't receive bonuses at all. Some of us haven't had a raisin forever long. But that doesn't matter. Because we love being here so much we would pay you if you would just let us pastor here. Because we love this so much and we love you so much. The only bonuses the pastoral staff ever gets at High Desert Word Center is the anniversary offerings, birthday offerings, Christmas offerings. And that's it. Which is wonderful. You know, we're not complaining. We're happy for it. So today, if you would like to sow your seed into them, you may. So if you would like to do that, take your little seed packet that you wrote seed on the front of it. See that? And you write the amount on it. I don't care how much it is or how much it is not. That's not the, that's not the point. It's what you purpose in your heart that you're going to sow today. You put it in this envelope if it'll fit in an envelope, because maybe you're putting a pen or something in. I don't know. You write your name on it and you write what you're believing God for. This is your seed. Pretend like it's a piece of corn, a kernel of corn. I'm believing for a whole field of corn, you know, whatever. I'm believing for a job. I'm sowing seed for a job. I'm I'm sowing seed for school clothes. I'm sowing seed for whatever you are sowing a seed for. Do you understand that? So now take the time to do that. Write it on your envelope. Now, if you're giving by check, make it out to them personally. Don't make it out to High Desert Word Center. It's to them, not us. Also, if you're giving online, some people have already expressed and told me this morning that they've given online into their offering. That's fine. You push the guest speaker button and that will go to them. So while you're writing out your little thing, don't forget we're receiving tithes this morning too. So don't forget that. Let's see. I almost forgot the lovely flowers. That's for your birthday. This is for your anniversary, so you can go out somewhere to eat. Okay. Now, Pastor, would you come up here with me, please? Uh, I'm trying to find our... Now, Pastor and I, we have an offering for them as well. 
And this is what I want you to do. We are honoring them this morning. You understand what I'm saying? We're not bucket throwing. We are honoring the senior pastors of High Desert Word Center this morning. Okay? If you don't want to partake in this, that you're fine. You're not give that to them. That goes to them. You get to hold it. There you go. Now, he's going to hate me for the. I mean, he won't hate his mother, but he does not like stuff like this. Okay? So this tithe and offering, happy time service has turned into an honor service. So what we are going to do is we're going to bring our, if you have a seed, and I, I have instructions for you. When you receive your seed packets, I want you to pray for these people and pray over for what they're believing God for. And then you watch God, you watch what God does. I just dare you. Amen. And then don't forget the tithes go up here. Don't give them your tithe. They don't want, they, they don't want to receive stolen money. You understand what I'm saying? The tithe belongs to him. They don't want God's money. They want above and beyond money. Okay? So, Pastor and I are going to give into their offering. There you are. And when you come up here, I want you to thank them and I want you to hug. Okay. So, I'm done. No, we're not doing the faith confession today. We're sowing seeds today. And there goes your card. So, just come on up. And when you're done honoring them, sowing your seed, paying your tithes, Joshua, what would you like for them to do then? Stay up here and praise and worship the Lord. Yeah, stay up here and praise and worship the Lord. Amen. I'm done. Hallelujah. Let's go. So you can go ahead and bring up your offering to the side, and we're going to go ahead and start worship here together. So after you uh, drop off your offering and drop off your uh, seed, then let's just stay up here at front at the altar or stay at your seat, and let's just sing to the Lord together.
coming halfway. I'm looking at these dry bones, you're enlightened. There's faith inside of my soul, you're ignited. You're calling me to levels that are higher. I can see your face. When I set my eyes on you, everything else fades.
Let's just take a minute in the presence of the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, you've done things that nobody else could do, things that nobody else would do for us, Lord. We love you. We praise your name. And Lord, you are holy. You are set apart. There is no one like you. There's nobody else in the same category, nobody else in the same league, nobody else in the same level as you are in our lives. And Lord, we want to see you lifted higher and higher and higher. You said that if you would be lifted up from the earth, you would draw all men unto you. And so Jesus in our lives, we want to lift you up. We want to glorify you, God. We're not looking for any attention for ourselves. We're not looking for, for any credit for ourselves, Lord. We want to point people directly to you. We love you, Jesus. You are so good, so much better than what we deserve. But it's your grace. It's your mercy, Jesus. We love you and we praise your holy name today. We ask that you would speak to us, Jesus. We ask that you would have your way in our midst, Lord. We want you to, to tell us the truth. 
Lord. We, we, we want to receive everything that you've got for us. Lord, whether it's what we want to hear or not, we want the truth because we want to be more like you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for letting us be around you. Thank you for letting us be in your presence. Thank you for letting us hang out with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you are so good to us. We praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, hey, it's a little bit different today than what I normally do, so I'm a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a curveball for me, but I know this much, that the presence of the Lord is in this house today. He wants to speak to us. Amen. He wants to do uh, things that only he can do. So let's just, uh, as we make, we'll make our way back to our seats, I guess, here, and we'll get into God's word here in just a second. But, you know, it is a good thing to be in the house of the Lord. You know, uh, the Psalms says it this way. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than, than you know, live the life of the, the rich life of the wicked. And, and you know, that's just, uh, that's how so many of us uh, feel. That's how so many of us uh, w would agree with is that, man, there's just nothing else uh, better than being in the house of the Lord and worshiping our God together. Amen. Well, uh, you know, we got a, we got a uh, hot word for you today that I'm going to get into in a minute, but I do want to just, you know, as a pastor, thank everybody. Uh, you need to know that you're loved, that you are valuable, and that you matter. And, uh, and you know, it, it's just, I appreciate what everybody did a minute ago, and, and you know, that's, I, I love this church family, and uh, there's no place else in the world I'd rather be. You know, sometimes in July, I'm thinking, why in the world do I live in the Mojave Desert? But, but then I quickly realize, hey, you know, it, it's, it's because I love Jesus and we love these people. And, and I feel like the mountains are calling my name, but I say, no, 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 no. And, and, uh, and there's just, we love you. We're a family, you know. And sometimes families, we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes, we're, you know, we know everything. About, you know, we, we know about each other. But it's a beautiful family. And, uh, and you know, when you hurt, we hurt. Uh, when you celebrate, we celebrate. And, uh, and so it's just, we love you guys so much with all of our hearts. And again, there's not a other place in the world I'd rather be than in Barstow, California with this group of people right here. You're the very best in the world. Amen. And so we, we do thank you and, and we rejoice. And, and so we're going to be talking about agape love again today. And I was, I'm looking back on, you know, our past, it is our, our 18 year anniversary and as we, uh, you know, this day, 18 years ago, uh, one of the stranger things I've done in my life is I wore baseball socks to my wedding. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, like, what is that all about? Well, I probably won't tell the full story, but uh, my, my brother, Josh, I keep doing that. I say that, that everybody's like, no, tell the full story. But, um, but, but uh, anyway, Pastor Katie had this bad dream a few days before our wedding. She's like, she calls me on the phone. Hey, I dreamed that 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 you wore baseball socks to our wedding, <laughs> and, and and so I told Josh, and then Josh shows up the morning of the wedding. He's like, I bought some baseball socks. Can you wear these? And so as we're walking back down the aisle, she had no idea. I nudge her and I pull up my pant leg, and there's white baseball socks with a yellow stripe. And she's like, Oh my gosh! And so anyway, <laughs> but you know, the next. Uh, we, the next morning, we got up early, and I'm, I look back at all this. I'm like, how in the world did we make it? We were a couple of just little kid knuckleheads, but I'll tell you how we made it. Right here, the Word of God. 
There's no other way in the world that we made it. A couple of little kids getting married, and, uh, you know, we got up the next morning, and she rented a limousine to take us to the airport. And, you know, he, the guy pulls up, where's your mom and dad? Hey, we're adults. We're married. And so we take the limousine to the airport, and we get on an airplane and fly to Cancun, Mexico. And we went out of the country and spent a week there. And it's just funny to look back, man, just little kids. And then as we get back and, you know, move off out of state to Oklahoma to go to college, there's so many times that it was hard, all right? People look and say, man, oh, you guys, you just said you must have had it. No, we had some, we had some rocky, hard times. And, you know, I, I had never had my own bedroom in my entire life. I, I shared a room with my little brother and got married and moved right in with my wife. I mean, I've still never had my own bedroom. And so here we are, like, you know, there's a lot to work through. And it was hard but we knew this much like we you know there's a lot we didn't know but we knew one thing that this bible is true and we're gonna do what it says to do and if it says to love and forgive each other it can be real hard but we are gonna do that no matter what and by the grace of god almighty you know uh, 18 years into it i just remember back then everybody you know we talked to him like I, one lady straight told me, uh, she's like, hey, you guys aren't going to make it. You're, you know, hey, whenever, whenever you guys break up, here's my number. Come see me. And I'm like, why would you say that to somebody? Why would you say that? And so I determined no matter what, we are going to make it. And by the grace of God and standing on his word, doing things his way, it has worked out. And so uh, it's just a blessing, man, to know that God's word does work. And that's, that's, that's all I've got for anybody is the Bible. People want to come and like, hey, you know, can you do some counseling? I'm like, hey, listen, I got nothing good to say to anybody. All I've got is a Bible, and I read it, and I can tell you what I read in there. But I don't know anything else other than the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to get into God's word. And you may be thinking, man, we've heard about this. We've heard about this. We've heard about agape love. Well, I really want to drive something home to you today talking about the love of God. Who's excited to get into the Bible today? Come on, somebody. Yes, let's do this. And so we've seen a lot over these past five weeks regarding the topic of agape love. And if you don't know what that is, agape is the Greek word that is used in the New Testament for God's kind of love. It is unconditional, no strings attached. Even if you're bad to me, I will still love you and forgive you. That's the love that we're talking about. And why it's so important that we focus on this, and really, there's a lot of very important topics to the Christian. Very important, but the biggest, I will say, is love. Because you've got to love God, and you've got to love people. It's your two New Testament commandments. And why is it that we take it so serious? Because in John 13, verse 34, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. You must agape each other as I have agaped you. The world will know you are my disciples indeed by your agape for one another. That's verse 35. And so Jesus says, that's how people can know you're a Christian and that's how you can obey me is if you will unconditionally love and forgive each other just like I have unconditionally loved and forgiven you. And so it is outrageously important that we get a hold of this topic and none of us will ever perfect it. I get that. But we've got to absolutely make it a priority. And so, uh, again, why do we spend so much time on this topic? 
I'm going to tell you this. Nothing else is going to work right until you work on the area of love. Everything in your Christian life is attached to this area of love. You know, Christmas is coming up. Some of you think it's far away. In my mind, it's like next week. So get ready because I'm going hard this year. I'm going hard. All right. Anyway, um, so, uh, you know, as a parent, you, you come to Christmas time and you go out and buy gifts for your kids. Right. And then there's three words that I fear more than anything else. Some assembly required. And so as you go and you're, you're putting this little toy together and, and you realize, like, how does it take five million pieces to make this thing? Well, have you ever tried to assemble something, you know, maybe a piece of furniture or anything, and you're almost to the end. It's like, okay, this is starting to look like it. And you realize way back in the beginning steps, you missed one key piece. And nothing else is going to work right with this thing. Nothing else is going to be right with this thing until you go back and handle this one key piece. And you overlooked it. And I know in our Christian life, sometimes we're looking for answers. Why isn't my prayers getting answered? Why isn't this happening? And, and, And nothing seems to be going right. But I can tell you this much, that you can almost always trace it back to the area of love. Kenneth Hagin, you know, the man that we talk about so much, went to his Bible college, all right? And, and so he would say, if my prayers aren't getting answered, if things aren't going right, the number one first area I will check is my love walk. How am I treating other people? And so in your life, I mean, I'm telling you, if things don't seem to be going right, and you're like, well, I'm tithing, well, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm doing that, I'm... I'm The number one thing I would check is, how is my love walk? How am I treating other people? And so we talk about this topic a lot because a whole lot of things depend on how you treat other people. And Jesus holds you to a very, very high standard, all right? And so I'm going to get in uh, to the message today. And I would like for you to pay attention and listen up because if we get it real good today, we'll we'll move on to something else next week. How's that sound? Yeah. There won't even need to be a part seven. But but um, let's pray, and then I'm going to get into really what I've been trying to get at for six weeks now. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. We thank you that it is true. Jesus, you said to sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would sanctify us. You would clean us up today. If we're wrong, we don't want to stay wrong, Jesus. Tell us the truth and help us to lay down our pride and make any changes that we need to make. We love you and praise you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Can someone say amen? So what we're going to do is look at three results of not loving and forgiving. Three results of a failure to uh, not love and not forgive, all right? So number one is this, your faith will not work. Your faith won't work if we are not walking in love and forgiveness. And I'm gonna, I've am gonna i got a few heavy verses today that I'm going to share that you may think like, well, that sounds pretty extreme, but I will straight show you the Word of God on it. And so um, I'm going to uh, go to Galatians 5, 6. And as a tribute to my dad, I'm going to use a lot of King James today. How's that sound? Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's go, yeah. <laughs> Maybe anybody else, you know. I, I grew up on the King James, so I've got... A lot of the scriptures I know are from the King James, but 
There's a definitely a few verses I'm going to look at today that I, I just really believe that King James nailed it on. So Galatians 5 and verse 6, and it says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. But your faith, it works by love. Now I know a lot of our other translations will say faith expresses itself by love. And that is 100% awesome and absolutely true. That is correct, 100%. But I don't ever want to lose sight of this very powerful statement that the King James translation pulled out of God's word. And it's this, that faith works by love. Faith, you got to know this, that faith is absolutely vital to your life. Who has realized that by now that you need faith to be victorious in your life. You've got to have faith. It's the engine by which everything else in your Christian life is going to run on. You cannot even be a Christian without faith. Well, I'm a Christian. I just don't have no faith. That's impossible. You can't be a Christian without faith. Maybe your faith needs to be stronger, but we know this much that it takes faith to even believe that he's real because you've never seen him. And we also know this much, Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You will never please God without faith. Faith is huge. But what so many people don't realize is faith and love are directly connected to each other. Oh, I'm a person of great faith. I just hate people. What? That is a, no, that's an oxymoron. That can't be. You cannot be a person of great faith and not have the heart of God to love other people. Faith and love go together like peanut butter and jelly. Right? If you're a pregnant woman, like pickles and ice cream. You know, uh, if, I don't know, whatever y'all eat. Uh, uh, salt and pepper, like Barstow and Del Taco. Yeah. Uh, 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 like Barstow and High Desert Word Center. <laughs> Amen. And so faith and love are inseparable. They go together as one big package. But I can tell you that, again, if someone comes up and says, man, I, you know, I just want to tell you how great my faith is. You know, I don't want to talk about how great your faith is until we discuss how great your love walk towards other people is. You can't have one without the other. You realize your prayers get answered by a combination of God's power and your faith, right? By God's power. He provides the power and you've got to provide the faith. I look at it this way. God's power is the, the electric socket right there. Your faith is the plug. You've got to plug your faith into his power, and then some really great things happen. We've seen cancer healed. We've seen, you know, restoration, deliverance, all these things by God's power, and then your faith being plugged in. And so what I'm trying to say is it is vitally important that we talk about love because your faith works by love and you're going to be stuck if you're not walking in love your prayers will not get answered so i don't believe that look at mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 25 now hey this is this is foundational verses uh for for our spirit-filled word of faith christian life these are life-changing verses for millions of people and for myself. And 
most people, at least if you're in a church like ours, you know Mark 11, 22 through 24. So we're going to read those just because it makes me really, really happy. But then I'm going to read the lesser known verse, verse 25, that most people tend to stop short of. And, uh, and, but let, let's look at this. Mark 11, 22 through 25, in the King James Version, it says, And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God. Who thinks you ought to have faith in God today? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, what's the mountain? Whatever the problem is in your life, that is the mountain. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That is fire right there, man. Woo! If you have faith in God and you speak to the mountain and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things that you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. That is life changing right there, man. But now let's look at verse 25. And Jesus totally pivots to what seems to be an entirely different topic, unless you understand the relationship between faith and love, then this makes sense. So he just says, have faith. You can have whatever you pray for, whatever you say. Verse 25, and when ye stand praying, forgive. What? Where in the world did that come from? When you stand praying, forgive. And if you have aught against any, or unforgiveness against any, uh, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Now I look at that, and again, you can read the entire chapter of Mark 11. It literally has nothing to do with forgiveness. The entire thing. Nothing to do with love and forgiveness. You see Jesus cursing the fig tree. You see Jesus, you know, all this stuff. And here's Jesus that gives the absolute best faith lesson ever in a couple of verses. Then all of a sudden he's like, well, but before all that, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father, which is also in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, I say that we're at a critical moment in world history. Uh, we see, uh, again, end times revelation and prophecy being fulfilled day by day, and unless your head is in the sand, you at least have some level of knowledge that we are living in the end times. We've seen more crazy, unpredictable things happen over the last two years than most of us have seen in our entire lifetimes. Could we agree on that point? I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff happening, but I know this much with all this, you need your faith to be fully operational right now more than ever before you know you think about you know way back in the revolution in the 1700s and all this stuff i mean you needed your rifle you needed your weapon to be ready at a moment's notice because you didn't know when you were going to be invaded and i'm telling you that as a christian as a soldier in god's army in 2022 the enemy and crazy stuff can happen at any moment can it you need to be prepared for an attack from the enemy at a moment's notice. But here's the thing. 
If crisis strikes and you've been mean and nasty and hateful and spiteful and drama and gossip and everything else, all of a sudden, guarantee you, you're not going to be able to get out there and speak to the mountain and have it thrown into the sea. That thing's going to crush you because your faith works by love. Now, none of us are perfect in this. We get that. Jesus was the only one, but that's no excuse for me to just say, well, no one's perfect, so I guess I'm just going to hate this guy. I guess I'm just going to hold on to this till the day I die. No, we are each responsible for trying and giving Jesus a chance and for saying, Jesus, help me, fix me, work on me. I want to be better for your glory. And so your faith, you got to know results of not loving and not forgiving is, number one, your faith will not work. Number two, you won't grow. You won't grow. And as a Christian, the way we grow is to get closer and closer to Jesus. And as we get closer, we learn more and more about him, and we act more like him. You get that right? I mean, it's not super complicated. But the way that I grow as a Christian is I get closer to Jesus, I learn more about him, and then I start to act more like him. And, and, uh, and, and so, that, I mean, that's just the most basic way I could say that we grow as a Christian. Look at 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. And again, I'm going to read it in the King James. Because my dad taught me a song for this when I was like five years old. And so I memorized it through a song. I'm having a request to sing the song right now. Who thinks I should not sing the song? Okay, that was good enough for me. All right, very good. Who thinks I should sing the song? All right. Josh, give me a, give me a G chord. No. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another. Give me a little bit. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, whoop, knoweth not God. For God is love. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Yeah. That's the song. And believe it or not, that is, because of that song, that verse has been drilled in my mind for about 30-something years. So, thank you, Lord. Hey, if you have a hard time memorizing scripture, just put a little tune to it, right? Do a little jazz hands. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. First John 4, 7. I've told you this before, but you go to the weirdest church in Barstow. You have the weirdest pastor. All right. First John 4, 7. And he says, well, I just sang it, but let's read. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Now, this may sound like an earth-shaking statement, but if you don't love others, you don't know God. Think about that. If you don't love other people, according to the Bible, you don't actually know God. You may know about him. You may know, well, I've read the whole Bible six times through. Good for you, dude. That's fine. Hey, but according to the Bible itself that you've read so much, if you don't love others, you don't even know God because God is love. And, and, and if you don't even know God, you're not really a Christian. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Yeah. You know where to find me. But and someone would say that's a little bit of an overreaction. That's probably that's harsh. That's taking it too far. And that's not an overreaction at all. God is. At his, if you had to ask, if you had to, Pastor Dave, describe God 
in one word, I would say love. Well, I would say power. I would say, well, those are all, yeah, but, but according to the Bible itself, 1 John 4, verse 8, God is love. And if I'm full of hate, I clearly don't know him. And, and, uh, and, and so I think there's going to be a lot of people surprised on Judgment Day when they stand before Jesus. And he says, get away. I don't know you. He would never say that. Matthew chapter 7, let's go. Yeah. We're having a good time today, huh? <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. And so literally there will be some people that stand before Jesus. I'm going to read it, but, but there, it's going to be a big surprise when we get there and, uh, and stand before him and say, Lord, I did this for you. I did that for you. I, 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 I served. I did this. And he says, man, I don't even know you. That's, um, that's a big thing to even comprehend. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And so he says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Really? Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, gets to go to heaven? No. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven get to go in. Oh, well, okay. Verse 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. Whoa, that's not what I always thought. Well, listen to me. That's a serious thing to think about right there. And, and as a New Testament, New Covenant Christian, what is God's law for me? Love. Love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. I've got two commands. That, that was on part two or three of this series, so you can go back and look at it. But we did a big, deep study on it. And so, as a New Testament Christian, God's law for me is to love him with everything I've got and to love my neighbor as myself. And so, Jesus said, there's going to be people that prophesied cast out devils, did miracles, probably did all, you know, fed the poor, did all sorts of great things, gave offerings to everything, and they're going to say, Lord, hey, 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 did you see all the stuff I did? Did you see all that? And he's going to say, huh? Get away from me. I never knew you. Who are you? Whoa, what a thing to think about. It is vitally important that we take this topic of love very, very seriously. And so some would say, man, you talk about that too much. I don't think we talk about it enough. It affects every area of your life. Now, as, as we're studying love and forgiveness, you know, it, it, it's a growth time for us. I hope you're growing through it. I'm finding that I'm growing even through just studying and preaching it. But it's a growth time. And I know this much about growth. When you experience a season of extreme growth, it's painful. When I was 15 years old, I had wanted to be taller for a long time. And I'm like, you know, why? Because, hey, I wanted to play basketball. Now, I'm still available if the NBA calls, but they haven't called yet. But so, you know, I'm like, you know, Lord, I, I just want to be taller. And, and, you know, God gets to decide how tall you are. But the summer of my, uh, when I was 15, I believe, I hit a growth spurt, man, and I grew, I don't know how many inches, but a lot of inches in a, in a very short amount of time. 
So, uh, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I was shorter than my friends. You know, school starts back up. I'm a couple inches taller than most of them. And so they're going and throwing their slop shots up, man. I'm blocking that stuff all day, man. Just don't even, you know. But, but I was taller than And here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It was a lot of growth, but my legs hurt. My bones hurt. My joints hurt all the time because they were being stretched and stretch, and, and, and we talked to my doctor, and he said it's a thing called growing pains. It's a real thing. And in here, maybe you right now are like, oh, I know this is all true, and I don't know, oh, but I, oh, and you're being stretched right now, and it hurts a little bit. But some pain is a good pain because it's a growing pain, and some of us right now, we may be feeling like, oh, but listen to me, you're growing, and it's a good kind of pain just stick with it and the end result is you're bigger you're stronger you're better than you ever were before but you've got to stick with it so the third thing i'm going to say today about why is this so important that we love and forgive you know what are the results of not doing so well number three is this and i don't even like to say this but man it's the bible you won't be forgiven yourself. If you don't, and people would think, no, but Jesus just always, you know, no matter what, hey, listen to this. He loves you. He forgives you. He wants the best for you. But let's look at something here. Uh, flip back a, a page or so to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And actually, um, Mark 11, your King James would have a verse 26. Your other translations would have an asterisk with verse 26 at the bottom. But there's a Mark 11:26, and it says that if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. But look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Now, uh, in your Bible, are these words in red? Okay, mine is. You know, Wait, wait, wait. What Bible did you bring in here? Some. Okay, so Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, but Jesus Christ, the man himself, said this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. I mean, that is a heavy statement to look at right there. Because I know, examining my life, that I have sinned. I have done wrong and stupid and sinful things throughout my lifetime. And I'm well aware that I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ if I'm going to get into heaven. I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ if I am going to do anything with my life on this earth. i got to have it because I'm not good enough to get into heaven. I'm not. And 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 I and I'm not good enough and I don't deserve forgiveness, but Jesus has given it to me anyway. He's full of love and compassion and second, third, fourth, fifth, five millionth chances. Thank you Lord for it. But it is so important that I forgive other people or I will not receive forgiveness. For myself, And that seems like, uh, how could that even be? Well, why does Jesus hold us to such a high standard of forgiveness? That's a high standard. Because he knows what's best for us. Doesn't he? He knows what's best for us. And he knows the healing and restoration it will bring to my life if I choose to forgive and, and, and start moving forward with things. 
I read this story about a little boy was sitting on a park bench in obvious pain. Just like, oh, ow, you know, saying, ow. And, and, and this grown man walks by and says, hey, hey, whoa, what, what's wrong, little buddy? What's going on? Are, are you hurt? And, what, you know, what, what's the problem? He's like, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. Ow, it's sticking me. Ow. And the man says, well, what, get up. Why don't you get up? Why are you still sitting on him? And the little boy says, because I figure I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. Ow! And how many of us handle forgiveness like this little boy? We're willing to endure the pain and the agony of believing that we're hurting them more than they're hurting us. And we are just a mess. And well, if I get up, then, then he goes... No, stop that. When we get off of the bench of unforgiveness... Both parties can begin to realize relief from the pain that's been going on. So I'm going to tell a story real quick about, I was I just, I think I should tell this story. This is about a, a, a lady named Corey Ten Boom. Now some of you may have heard of her, you're like, well what's her name? Well she was from Holland. And her family was Christians in the 1940s. And if you, you know, know history, Germany started invading one country after another. They go into Poland, then they start taking all these other European nations, and they invade the Netherlands, which you know, we call Holland, but technically it's called the Netherlands. And so they invade, and the Nazis take over. And, and so, yeah, they start rounding people up, man, putting them on trains and sending them to these concentration camps. Well, Corrie Ten Boom is a young lady, and her family are... They, they fear God. They love God. So they start taking Jewish people into their home and making secret hiding places for them and everything. Well, one day the Nazis do eventually catch up to them. They arrest her family and they all go to, uh, they're sent to a concentration camp even though they're not Jewish. They get sent there as punishment. Well, her family is tortured and, and they all die except for her. Somehow she survived it. And she's eventually liberated and freed, uh, you know, after, uh, towards the end of the war. And she becomes a minister and, and travels and, and preaches. And, and a lot of people, she's very famous, if, you know, if you've heard of her. But she endured things that, my God, are awful. Awful. Seeing her own sister, you know, just tortured and killed. I mean, all that just bad, incomprehensible things. So on one night in 1947, she's in Munich and, and she's delivering a message and, and she's preaching about forgiveness and, and, and he'll forgive you. He'll throw your sins to the bottom of the sea of forgetfulness and never remember. And as she's speaking, she looks in the back of the room and there's a man standing there in a gray coat and she's like, has a flashback. Oh my God. He was the guard. That's the, that's, he was the worst one in the entire camp. He killed my sister. And, and, and all of a sudden she can't even, oh my God. She wraps it up. And as soon as she says amen, the guy starts walking towards her and every fiber in her being, oh my God, get him away. Get him away. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and so the man starts, he's weeping. Oh my God. Uh, you just talked about it. And I know uh, you talked about this camp that you were in and, and, and I was a guard at that camp. And she realizes he does not recognize her because out of thousands of people, he doesn't, he doesn't know who she is, doesn't recognize her, but 
he is broken down. He's like, since it all ended, I've received Jesus. I can't forgive myself. I, 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 I hate myself and, and I can't, and, 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 and she, and, and here she is and she, with every fiber of her being, wants this man to die. And hey, he deserves to die, doesn't he? And so she's, she's standing there. What do I do? What do I do? And, 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 and he sticks out his hand. Will you, will you pray with me? I know the Lord forgives me, but I just need to hear it out of somebody else's mouth. Will you tell me I'm forgiven? And here she is, a young lady, you know, probably still in her twenties or something. And, and, and she's shaken and, and she, God help me. And all of a sudden all of her sins and Bad doings flash before her eyes and her mind. And she's like, how can somebody like me who's been forgiven of so much not forgive? I, I can't do that. And, and, and she said what seemed like hours was probably five, ten seconds. She breaks down weeping. And she somehow finds the courage to just stick her hand out and shake hands with the man that killed her family and destroyed her entire life. So she thought. And, and she sticks it on. She says, as their hands met, I may have written this down from her book. Let me see if I wrote down exactly how she put it. But as she sticks out her hand and her hands, their hands meet, she wrote, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I started crying. I forgive you with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner she wrote, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. And I'm like, that is a whole other level of forgiveness right there. And I look at some of the moron, idiotic things that I have held against other people, much less than this. Oh, they said something about me on Facebook. I hate their guts. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up, dude. You realize what people have gone through? Do you realize that? Do you realize the offensive things that you've done to Jesus Christ? Maybe you do. I, I, I know that I've done some offensive things to Jesus. <laughs> well, he can't get hurt. He's Jesus. You kidding me? Jesus wept. Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Jesus clearly throughout the four gospels was very capable of emotion, hurt, anger, dealing with different things. I've hurt Jesus at times, yet he's forgiven me. And I look at extreme and absurd stories of forgiveness like this. And one common denominator I see in extreme stories of forgiveness, because I've read a lot of stories like this, is Usually the person that does the forgiving, they feel more sorry for the fool that wronged them than they do themselves. Well, how's that? Look, one final verse, Luke 23, verses 34 through 35. I'm going to show you something that Jesus said right here. Luke 23, verses 34 through 35. Here we have Jesus on the cross, and you realize he wasn't just 
hanging there in peace. People are mocking, scoffing, making fun. You realize they basically stripped him down naked. Public humiliation. He's a grown man. His mom is there just bawling her eyes out as her son is a mess, shamed in front of all these people. His mom's probably weeping. His sisters, his, 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 you know, brother. I mean, just, I mean, my gosh, we have no idea what this was like. But here they are scoffing, mocking. Hey, save yourself, savior. Huh? You know, all this stuff. And, and here we have an extreme, extreme case of forgiveness. Luke 23, verses 34 through 35. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And all the soldiers instantly said, oh, golly, we'll just stop now since you did that. No, they made fun of him more. The soldiers gambled for his clothing by throwing dice. I tagged on verse 35. It says, the crowd watched. The leaders scoffed. They made fun. They ridiculed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah. If he is the chosen one. They're mocking and making fun and insulting. And he, and here he is. And he says, please forgive them. I'm thinking that's probably not what I'd be saying. I'd be, God, strike them all dead. I hope they feel every ounce of pain that I felt. But that's not what Jesus did. He forgave them right there to the end. And again, as, as I'm, as I'm reading this, I realize it's like he didn't feel sorry for himself. He felt sorry for them. And every big case of forgiveness that I have witnessed, I realized that the forgiving party feels sorry in the end for the person that wronged them because they realized, man, what a wreck. What a, oh man, what, they're in trouble. What, what a bad spot to be in. And they always feel more sorry for them than for themselves. And so again, uh, yeah, we've all done wrong things. We've all hurt Jesus, but he cares about me more than he cares about his own feelings. Have you realized that? That he cares more about me and about you than he does about himself. And so as we start to close out today, I challenge us on this, that instead of focusing on the wrongs that other people have done to you today, I want to close out by reflecting on how much you've been forgiven of. I want to take a minute, and I'm not asking you to dig up your sins because that's no good. I'm just saying, could you reflect for a minute and realize that, wow, he is so loving, so merciful, so compassionate to forgive me and to give me another chance. Jesus is really good, people. You realize that, right? That he's really, really good. And it's not because you've been so good or I've been so good. It's simply because he is good. He's full of love and compassion. And all he's saying is, hey, I just want you to forgive others the same way that I forgave you. I want you to love your brother and sister the way that I've loved you. That's all I'm asking. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, John 14, 15. And so what are our commandments? To love him and to love other people. And I promise you this, it's hard, but if we'll start doing it, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. 
your faith will work like it's never worked before. You will grow like you've never grown before. You will start seeing things in your life that you have never seen before if you will start down this path of love and forgiveness like Jesus did. Can we stand up together today, please? I want to stand up together. Amen. And so, uh, let's just take a minute. I've asked Josh, uh, I requested a song this morning. It's a song we used to sing in the early 2000s. You know, if you remember that time period, it was, it was a wild time. But we used to sing this song in our churches. And uh, it's called Amazing Love. And so, I want to sing this song together today for a few minutes. And again, I'm just asking that we would reflect upon the forgiveness that we've seen. And if you need to talk to God, talk to God, man. Don't let me stop you. And after that, if you need prayer, we'll pray for you. Amen. But let's just take a minute between God and ourselves. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted die for me 
amazed in love I know it's true That it's my joy to honor you In all I do I honor you Hallelujah I'm going to ask my prayer team to come forward today If you're here and you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. And I know that this is a man, the presence of God's here and he's speaking to your heart. He's, he's trying to get a hold of you today, man. And so if you need prayer, I don't want you to hesitate. Come on up. The biggest thing is if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, nothing else is going to work until that's in place. But if you need prayer for anything at all, we want you to boldly come forward. We're going to pray with you. We're going to agree for God's power to work in your life today. But there's no need to leave today. There's no need to leave until we get things right with God. Amen. So, Josh, continue to lead us here for a minute.
amazing love I know it's true It's my joy to honor you In all I do I honor you You It's 
joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. who's received something from Jesus today. Amen. Amen. It's a really good service, man. The anointing of God has been here, the Spirit of God. I know that He's really spoken to a lot of your hearts. And so, hey, it's one thing to hear the Word, oh, but it's another thing to do the Word, right? So it's not good enough to just come in and hear the Word and say, oh, that was, that was a good Word. You've got to do the Word. The blessing's not in the hearing. The blessing is in the doing. James 1.22. Write it down. Look it up. All right? So be a doer of God's word today, and some good stuff's going to happen to you. I promise you that. All right, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Uh, we've got service tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome, so come back for that. And, of course, if you registered for the pool party, uh, be out there tomorrow night for that. You know, and, uh, huh? It's at 6.30, and I, I'm sorry that they didn't give us more slots. I guess we're going to play by their rules, and I'm a rule follower, but, man, I really wish we could break that rule. <laughs> but uh, anyway, come on out for that. And then, uh, man, next Sunday is going to be awesome. If you, you know, bring the kids out, it's back to school day. We pray for all the school kids, all the teachers and school workers, and then they get promoted to their next class, all right? Uh, let's pray, and then we'll do our faith confession, and we'll get you out of here. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen, what we have witnessed today, Lord. And we thank you that your word is true. And we want to obey you. We want to follow you. We want to do it your way. And so I thank you for your blessing upon every life here, Lord, as we do your word. And we will we will work on this area of love and forgiveness because we have to. We've got no other choice. It's not an option. We have to do this. And so, Lord, help us as we love and forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. Jesus, let us point people to you. Let them see our lives and see so much love coming out of us that they say, hey, I want what you've got. So thank you, Jesus, for that. We praise your name, Holy Father. You're awesome. We love you. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen?
Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to do the faith confession. Parents, um, all the kids other than nursery kids are next door. They had a, a movie day today. They're watching a movie. So uh, you go over there and pick up uh, preschool all the way up through elementary is next door. All right. Who wants to do the faith confession? What you do? Oh, oh, you, you want someone else to do the faith. Titus wants to do it. Come on up, Titus. Yay. Amen. I like it when these young bucks do it. Yeah, hey. It's not that he wanted to do it. His mom wanted him to do it. So, you know, hey, to keep mom happy. All right, brother. You got this? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Say, see you tonight. See you tonight. Yeah.